0: So with uh, with that backdrop there of what uh, the earlier chapters have been and where it's going here in chapter 5, we get to this part dealing with the judgment on the sinner and uh, judgment on uh, sin and the sinful system. Let's have a word with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are a great God, a holy God. And in this chapter tonight, we see how you hate sin. And we know that it has to be judged. In the meantime, you've given your word to your people to spread and to show the light that good news can be brought to people who are lost and you save them. And thank you for the opportunity of having the light, the light of the glory of the gospel of God. And so, Lord, as we look at this, even though it's rather sobering, we are thankful that You will, you do judge sin and You will ultimately judge sin. And we look to that day where there will never be any more sin, no more curse, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, because You are a holy God and You want us to be like You without sin entirely. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. So that's kind of the idea here in our, our chapter 5. Um, you got a flying scroll. <laughs> we, we've had some really good images to look at, right? Mm-hmm. Last week, that golden lampstand, the olive trees, and of course, you know, you, you think of uh, the Joshua and the high priest. Well, now we have the flying scroll. And uh, not too often do you think about a flying scroll, but there's got to be something there that means something.
1: Flying squirrel? Not
0: flying. Squirrel. It's a yeah. flying squirrel. Flying scroll. Well, let's read uh, first four verses. Chapter 5. Then I lifted up my eyes again and looked, and behold, there was a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? <laughs> he always <laughs> asked you know, Zechariah, well, what do you see? Zechariah said, What is this? Uh, I, well, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits. And it's with ten cubits. Then he said to me, This is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land. Surely everyone who steals will be purged away according to the writing on one side, and everyone who swears will be purged away according to the writing on the other side. I will make it go forth, declares the Lord of hosts, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name, and it will spend the night within that house and consume it with its timber and stones. Well, this is a mouthful, isn't it? This is, again, some difficult interpretation. But I don't think it's that hard. I think as we look at this, he he interprets it, brings it forth, what it is here doesn't give all the details, but yet the idea is that uh, God's going to make this judgment happen. Um, We see God move against sinners here. He purges the earth for setting up this kingdom that He's already talked about in the first four chapters. We have something to really look forward to, don't we? And ultimately is what we're talking about in the kingdom. But, It's the darkness before the kingdom dawns that has to be taken care of. If He doesn't get rid of sin, if He doesn't judge it, then it's still around for eternity. Who would want that? So that would be the question that people would be asking. They still see all the sin that abounds there in Israel. So it's a scroll. Do you know what a scroll is? Well, you have a stick here and a stick here. And you have <laughs> something like a, a parchment, uh, some kind of either, sometimes it, it would be leather,
1: yeah.
0: um, you know, some mm-hmm. kind of a skin, uh, papyrus, some kind of a hide. It says here, it gets it in cubits, uh, t- 20 cubits by 10 cubits. Put that in feet and imagine 30 by 15. Well, that's a pretty good sized room, isn't it? This is a pretty good sized scroll. Uh, can you imagine trying to to keep that scroll opened? <laughs> you know, thirty. If you have one right here, you can go like this, right? But it, it's a big one, so you can't miss it. Uh, but there was an Egyptian pa- papyrus that was found, uh, and they call it Papyrus hovis. It was 133 feet long. Now it was 17 inches wide. So it's manageable, but that's a long, uh, you know, writing, isn't it? Uh, There was something else, too. You ever heard of the Egyptian Book of the Dead? Probably have heard of that, maybe, down through the years. Well, it was 133 feet long and 17 inches wide. Or, no, 123 feet long, 19 inches. Whatever. This is a wide, unrolled scroll flying through the air. And you'll notice that it says here in chapter five that then I lifted up my eyes again. It doesn't say that he's wakened up again. You know, before he's that's happened. Like in chapter four, he was roused by the angel, right, and wakened him from his sleep. Every time he sees a vision, it's like you know he's looking down, his eyes closed or whatever. Wouldn't you after you saw all these things? And so there it is. It starts this vision off again. I I lifted up my eyes again. Maybe he heard something. I think
1: you're pondering at the time, like, what was that? Like, oh, something else. Something else is coming up. You're thinking about what you just saw,
0: and what you've been told what it what it is, and now another one comes. Imagine he's thinking, how many are these? When am like. I going to get
1: to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a
0: night he had. <laughs>
1: or maybe I won't go back where I came from. Oh, a new man. Place. Man, I've never so, even peaked again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the sixth vision. Oh,
1: crazy. Now,
0: it's interesting. In the holy place in the tabernacle, he, of course, you, know, you have the holy of holies. Then you have the holy place just before you get in there. This is the uh, tabernacle proper. This is where the ta- uh priest ministered in the in the holy place, you know, the, the bread, the light and the altar of incense is in there. It was what size? Thirty by fifteen feet. Wow. Hmm. Um you know, bedrooms, um wow. can be about fifteen feet wide, maybe you know, maybe thirty feet, twenty feet. Maybe fifteen by fifteen, depending on so that'll kind of give you an idea. Thirty by thirty, uh, it's pretty good size. But that was the Holy of Holies. That's where they ministered in. Now think about that. It's interesting. The same kind of distance measurement. So we're getting divine measurement here. You know, this is God's measurements. And so if you hold on to that, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. You know, the, the, this scroll is a divine standard. And when God puts numbers out, He just doesn't throw them out there willy-nilly just for, oh, pretty big, huh? Yeah. There's something to that. So, um, when you think of the scroll, though, they got scrolls. What were the scrolls? It was the Word of God. And I think that's what we have here. This is the Word of God. The And in this particular instance, you're in the part that is a curse of God's judgment because it says right here, uh, the Lord said, uh, uh, "See if I scroll. gives the measurements." Then he said to me, "This is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land." It, there's um, the criterion for God's judgment or curse in that sense. It's not a demonic curse. This is a curse that's coming from God or a judgment that's coming from God. Uh, these are divine standards right He's given the measurement this is a scroll it's divine measurements this is a symbol of the word of god it's the word of god that is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword as it says in hebrews right it pierces it divides asunder it's the word of god that is the criterion that is what's doing it in john 17:17 17, 17, jesus says thy word is truth God will judge on the basis of truth of course the word of God is truth, that's the criterion it's not on the basis of our good deeds is it but on the basis of truth thy word is truth look in John 5 24 Jesus speaking here Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears My Word and believes Him, Christ, who sent Me, or God who sent Christ, has eternal life. Okay, here's My Word. Here's My truth. If you believe Me, if you believe My Word, what do you have? Eternal life. Wow. And does not come into judgment. I like
1: that. (laughs) Praise God.
0: Our, something has to be taken care of and that's our sin that's the evil that's what and all people have that right they don't come into judgment but they passed out of death into life without that new birth we are dead we are ephesians 2 dead spiritually ephesians 2 first three verses there but we believe in him we believe in his truth his word we have eternal life verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So there is Christ Himself, and He's equal with God the Father in His power, in His authority, in His judgment. And of course, He is God, we know that. So And His truth is what is so important. Look in Revelation chapter 5. You'll see something dealing about a scroll. The lamb is uh, going to take the scroll. You've got a book here, right? And it says in verse 1, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside. Of course, the book is everything they had was scrolls. And on the back sealed up was seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? So there is a scroll. There are the seals. There are seven on them. And those, those seals are what? Seven uh, uh, representing completion. But it's dealing with judgments. For the next few chapters are going to be dealing with the seals and then the 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 trumpet judgments right you think of those and um so what we have here is it's going to be him that's going to have to open that up because no one is worthy and verse 7 he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne when he had taken the book the four living creatures the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bulls. It's full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing this new song. So there they are. The Lamb is there. He takes the scrolls. He's the only one that can take the scroll, open it up, and break those seals and their judgment seals, their trumpet judgments and such. So uh, that's fascinating because there you are dealing with scrolls you're thinking uh, of, of truth, the Word of God, you're thinking of judgment. If you go to chapter 11, or chapter 10, I think it is, in Revelation, again, uh, I think you should have a scroll that we're dealing with. There's a little book. Saw another strong angel, verse 1, coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud. Rain was upon his hand, his face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book which was open. It's a little scroll. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. A lot of symbolism tonight, right? Zechariah, Revelation. He cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, and when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them. Then the angel saw, standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven, swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, that the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. That's this little book. It's still dealing with judgment. It's a little scroll. The little book. John, who wrote Revelation, who is an apostle, who had walked with Jesus, how did he take that book? Well, he's told to eat it, isn't he? And he gives you an idea of what it is. It's bitter, but it's sweet. How can you have something that tastes bitter and sweet at the same time? What's bitter because of the wrath of God that has to be poured out upon this world and on the people that are not believers in Him? But it's sweet because it's the very Word of God. It's sweet as honey. And it shows how God graces His people. Uh, But He's going to have to prophesy. He's going to have to tell these things. And that's a bitter thing to have to do to tell the bad news. And that there's judgment coming. But yet, also in that is good news, isn't it? That's what we have when we offer the Gospel. Here's the bad news. And if you don't trust in Christ, you'll be judged by God forever. It's such an eternal hell. But if you trust in Christ and His work on the cross, you'll have eternal life. And being in the presence of Him forever. That is sweet. It's bitter, and it's the same for us, isn't it? It's a bitter-sweet message that we have, but that's the way it has to be, unless we want sin to last for eternity, right? So, okay, let's go back to Zechariah. So we saw in Revelation we see scrolls there too. What were they basically dealing with? Judgment. Here in Zechariah, that's what it is dealing with there. And these visions, okay, you have two sides here. It's going forth, uh, forth over the face of the whole land. I take this as really the whole world. It could be just all of Israel. And he's definitely going to be judging the Jewish people who don't believe. But I think it goes further than that, don't you? I think this over the whole land in Hebrew, it can mean all the earth. And I really think that's what that is there. Sure, surely everyone who steals will be purged away according to the writing on one side and everyone who swears will be, be purged away according to the writing on the other side. So now we have a scroll. You have writing on one side, writing on the other. What's going on with this? You have two, two sides. When you think of the tablets, that were given to Moses. There were really like two tables there really, right? On the one side you had the offenses against God, the other side the offenses against mankind. Um, the tables of stone uh, on, on one side and on the other side. The Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law is the law and it condemns man. It shows if you can follow the Word of God, then you have eternal life. (laughs) Nobody has ever been able to do that except one, Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. And that's the only way that we can fulfill the law is through the person of Christ, right? So it's like like the the temple here too. It's like the Mosaic Law. It's like the temple. Remember the the measurements of it? the, The divine measurements? At the same time, we're bringing in the Law of Moses. God is setting the criterion. When in the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, the Pentateuch, that was considered the Word of God, right? Scroll there. Two of the commands are mentioned here. It's interesting. Why didn't He mention all the commands? Well, the
1: ones against me and the ones against
0: God. He could have gone all. And a lot of times you'll get listings of sins in the New Testament you know, maybe you'll get five or six, and they'll say almost like so on and so forth. I mean, you get the idea, right? Uh, even Jesus and the rich young ruler, for instance. You know, and of course, rich young ruler. Well, I followed all of those, you know. But uh, no man has. That's the problem. But two of the commands are mentioned. One of them is stealing. The other one is swearing falsely. You know why those two are mentioned? Well, the law has two sides. God wrote it. Writes his law on one side. Uh, all of this encompasses the whole law. Um, take, for instance, the second one that he mentioned, swearing falsely. Swearing. You see that in the very first part of the law, don't you? Or, uh, in Mosaic, uh, in the Mosaic Law, in the, in the Ten Commandments. Um, not to swear against God's name, right? Don't take His name in vain. Do not swear in that sense. That's the idea. That would be the sins against God, representing that. That's right in the middle of that one. On the other side, in the middle of those last laws, is stealing. You you could take all of those, but it's a representation of what the whole law was. The first side, the second side, encompasses that. So it's man's sin against God, and man's sin against his neighbor his brother it that entails the whole law doesn't it what does what did jesus say love the glor- lord your god with all your might soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself that is the royal law what is it that's the 10 commandments or the whole law summed up in two commandments the greatest commandment being loving god so do you see the idea here um as he's speaking truth, as he's speaking the scroll, he's speaking about, you know, the judgment upon on the sin there, and he says it's going to go forth over the face of the whole land. And this is the the complete, completeness of the judgment. Um, the finality, the totality of judgment. When it really happens, you know, God judges here and there. A lot of times he just lets it go in our world. He lets sin runs it run its course. Eventually, He will judge a nation. He's judged them all so far, hasn't He? He will judge this nation. He will judge all the enemies of our nation. He judged Israel, which was His people. He will judge the United States. And of course, what did Billy Graham say? If he doesn't judge the United States, then he owes an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah, which we are guilty as Sodom and Gomorrah was... uh, But it's a totality of judgment. It's overwhelming as He brings us forth. And He uses the word uh, curse. This is the curse that is going over the face of the earth. The word is Allah. It's punishment. It's retribution. So this is why the scroll will, uh, will signify judgment. He comes to the throne. He takes the scroll out of the hand of the Father. He begins to unroll the scroll. and What comes forth? It's judgment. That's what we saw in, in the Revelation passage. The, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, seven bold judgments, right? The terrible judgments that make up uh, the, the tribulation. And they all deal with sin against God, sin against man. They're going to be purged away, it says. Did you see that? That surely everyone who steals will be purged away. Everyone who swears will be purged away, according to the writing on the other side, one side and the other side. That means, to purged away means to be cut off. It means to be wiped out. Let's, let's take a look at Isaiah 3.26. They're going to be purged, cut off, wiped out. Isaiah 3.26 it's a it's a judgment passage there it's a kind of a judgment uh, uh, look at start at verse 13 just to show the context the Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people the Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of his people we're talking Israel here it is you who have devoured the vineyard the plunder of the poor is in your houses What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord, God of hosts. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are proud. Who are the daughters of Zion? It's the nation of Israel. The leaders in it and such. We'll skip those verses. Go down to the verse that I was talking about, verse 26. And her gates will lament and mourn, and deserted she will sit on the ground. That's a cutting off. That is a wiping away. Uh, everything is judged. It's done. Totally wiped out of any possible blessing. And so we, uh, we look at verse 4. I will make it go forth. Now here's the certainty of judgment. When God says He will make this happen, He's already said, I will make this happen, that there will be a temple built. The walls will be built. Jerusalem will be built. The people will be restored. And and it happened. Because God said, I will do this. And that's what He's been saying in the visions. Not only did it happen at that time in a small way, He's talking in the future. This is a guarantee to us. Now the certainty of judgment if you look in uh, Revelation 6, 16, here it is at the very time that Christ, close to the time when Christ comes back, and getting near the end, the, the last seal. Uh, if we pick it up in 16, you, you've got these people. Um, Look at verse 15. Then the kings of the earth, the great men, and the commanders, and the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? So that's a certainty of, of judgment, isn't it? it, it it's the idea is to be consumed, that they will be exterminated. Heavy stuff here. Zechariah has been showing a lot of things through these visions as he r- writes these down, and, and later on then we get to read these. But this is what's happening all the way up till the end. And we can see where that would be. Now, that is on the sinners, the individual sinners. What is God going to do to sin and the world system? So here we go with another vision. We uh, Then the angel who was speaking with me went out and said to me, lift up now your eyes and see what this is going forth." And I said, what is it? There it is. He lifts up his eyes again. There's another one. And he says, what is it? And he said, this is the ephah going forth. Uh, What's an ephah? It's like a basket, a bushel basket. Maybe a little bit bigger than a bushel, but not pretty close about the same. So think of a bushel basket. he said, this is their appearance in all the land. And behold, a lead cover was lifted up And this is a woman sitting inside the ephah. So you have this basket, and a woman is sitting in there. And these baskets can be big enough for somebody to actually sit in. And and there's a cover to it. Then he said, This is wickedness. And he threw her down into the middle of the ephah and cast the lead weight on its opening. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and there two women were coming out with the wind in their wings. And they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heavens. And I said to the angel who was speaking with me, Where are they taken the ephah? Then he said to me, He actually tells him here, to build a temple for her in the land of Shinar and when it is prepared she will be set there on her own pedestal. What's going on? It's really pointing to the end. Basically that is what is happening here and God will completely do away with sin and the world system. How do we know that? Well this is clearly a millennial ultimate interpretation. had a present condition in Zechariah's time there. Uh, Jews had returned from Babylon. Outwardly, they put away their pagan idolatry, right? Um, But they became materialistic. Babylon was always known for the materialism that they had. And, of course, anybody can get sucked into materialism and the greed that goes with it. Chapter 5 is a chapter rebuking selfish materialism in a post-Babylon captivity Israelites. So he's warning them there. But ultimately, like I say, it's pointing to the uh, millennial kingdom and before that. Um, Look in Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament. It's shortly after Zechariah. Malachi 3, 8, and 9. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you, they're robbing. Uh, It's a widespread sin, is what it is. very glaring. They had stolen from God what was rightly uh, His you know, the by the divine law. And there, it, of course, it, it, it talks about um, when chapter 4 ends, it's talking about there's a day coming and I'll send Elijah the prophet in verse 5, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. After he judges all the other people, the ones that are his, he takes in, but uh, there's a coming great and terrible day of the Lord. So that's how the Old Testament ends. It ends with a curse. And then in Matthew, it starts with a blessing. You know, dealing with the Messiah. So, what do we have here? What's this all about? The ephah is the largest measure for measuring grain. It'd be like, kind of like a a small barrel, of Eight gallons, maybe a, a bigger type barrel. Maybe I don't know. To, you'd measure grain this way. Um, it would be large enough for a small person to fit in. So as he saw this vision, it wasn't ridiculous. You know, a little small thing and somebody in it, but it was the largest possible measure in the Jewish society. That's really what it, it's going on. He's saying you're not sinning by the court you Jewish uh, society, you are sinning in the most fullest, heaped up way that you can have. It's the biggest measurement. You're not sinning by the quart, but you're sinning by the gallons. You're sinning, even more than that, a whole ephah or bushel. By
1: the barrel
0: full. Yeah, yeah, the barrel full. That's the sin of materialism because when you have ephah, we're speaking of grain being in this ephah. And this would be, uh, and it's filling up this barrel, this bushel basket, evil fills it up. And so the idea of ephah and the the grain being symbolic of, of wickedness, there's an economic wickedness that happens. And God will slam the lid on this, and He will judge this um, materialistic wickedness. And you'll see why I keep saying materialism, because when you go back and look at Revelation, which is really ultimately where this is pointing to, you'll see the economic disaster of Revelation uh, 17 and 18. There is a religious Babylon, and there's a economic Babylon, and that's how they're worded in there, there's a lead cover to put over that sin, woman is there, and it's dealing with wickedness, then you see two women, then you see Shinar, and that's how we get to the the Babylon type element, which is found in verse 11, Shinar. Shinar which was always known, and of course the Tower of Babel, that area. Later on, the big city of Babylon, which was an empire also. They are the ones who conquered Israel. They're a symbol of materialism. A symbol of evil, wicked materialism. And God is going to judge that. Babylon is the final form of of evil. You can say, well, what's the deal with the woman sitting in here? Um, well, sometimes God uses uh men sometimes he uses women you know he's you know that Israel was considered to be the like um
1: a woman is the one that produces fruits you know brings forth the nation
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: yeah
0: right, and of course they bear children right, right? so it's they're bear, uh, th- yeah, and Jesus. so therefore a woman stood for Israel mm-hmm. so often, even a revelation you get that um in this case here, you have. Uh, by the way, the church. Before you think I'm picking on women, I don't have a chance. Two, three, four, five, seven <laughs> against one here tonight. Oh, there's no guys here. I
1: to so I gotta
0: get some guys. I think it's so,
1: kind of nice that he uses two women to carry the basket.
0: Yeah, right. There's one woman in there now. There are two women okay. to carry the and who are they? Okay. Well, not picking on women here. Because the Church is called the Bride of Christ, and so okay're we're, we're cool with that, right, but he uses this because it, also you will notice that in the old testament and and revelation, you see the harlot also don't we so and, and we know what that means it's not saying women are better than men and such, but he uses these different kind of symbols here in this case, this woman in this basket. And is, of course you have this the, the grain that would fill up in there. Here you have the woman and he says this is wickedness. Here it is. Here's sin. And the whole sinful system, the world, cosmos, is the wicked system. Okay. That's what we live in. We live, the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Remember that verse? So, you know, We're in that. Satan is the prince of this world, right? Okay. God is going to judge that. This is all promise to these people. This is actually great for them to hear because they have been treated so roughly, even by their own people. I'm sure they got mocked at as they left Babylon when they they actually were permitted to leave and their captivity was over. And the other people are saying, hey, you know, it's great here. We're not going back. And those people picked up on this whole materialistic society that was in Babylon at the time. And so he says, this is wickedness in verse 8. He threw her down into the middle of the Ephah and cast the lead weight on its opening. So now he puts a lid on it. It's lead. It's like, can't get out. Then I looked and there now you have the two women. Um,
1: <laughs> you look like you get a little nervous there, do Yeah, it's two women now
0: woman. Is this
1: one of those places you would have skipped? <laughs> I, can't, I can't skip it, can I? Oh, oh we
0: better cut off right now.
1: Time's up. Next week. Oh we two more weeks and have oh. another book. We're almost done <laughs> right. and it's three
0: minutes still. We're doing pretty good. Okay, you have um, two women coming out with the wind in their wings, and they have wings like wings of a stork. If you look in Leviticus, there are dirty birds and there are clean birds. Birds that would, could be used for sacrifice; other ones would not be that we can be considered. You know, the the dirty type animals, dirty birds. That's what a stork is. I don't think these two women are angels here as uh, or at least good angels. Dirty we'll dirty say birds. it's very possible these are demons who take the woman and take uh, and because of the, the idea of the stork and <clears throat> here's the angel that's speaking with Zechariah. says, where are they taking the ephah And he says to build a temple in the land of Shinar.
1: Um,
0: Wickedness is going to Shinar or to Babylon. Uh, The woman symbolizes the evil of it. Um, It's the economic Babylonian system. The whole false church, the whole false materialistic economy is going to be thrown in the same basket. I just have really a quick minute. If you turn, and I'm not going to read these two chapters, but it will put you into context there if you want to read them on later. But in Revelation 17, and remember we're talking way into the future in God's judgment. And what do you think of when you think of judgment? Well, we ultimately think of the ultimate judgment, don't we? Where He does judge sin in, at its fullest. In Revelation 17, you have the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast. Verse 5, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now, whether this is a literal Babylon, because Babylon was finally destroyed, really hasn't been anything since. Some take it that they'll never be built back up again. Others say, well, there is a little city there that's being made, where there's been walls, and it's kind of interesting. You know, could it be? It it could, or is it representing the worldwide system? In 17, it's dealing with you have the false prophet, the beast. You have a, a and of course, that is all dealing with a harlot. You're talking a false religion, mm-hmm. idolatry at, at its worst, and of course. In the end times, there will be a false messiah come who will get people to worship him, right? Jesus spoke about that. It's all over scripture. Daniel talked about it. Here we are here. That's really the meaning of chapter 17. In chapter 18, then not only is it the religious woman, that's the harlot there, but here it is, Babylon the Great. That becomes finally fallen. Two. What's that? Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit, a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion, immorality of the kings of the earth, and on and on. And then you, you, you come and and you read uh, more of this. Um, You'll see, of course, mentions immorality and such. But look in 11, here's the, here is the materialism that they had. It's idolatry. Uh, Verse twelve: cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory, every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon, spice and incense, perfume, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep. We're talking of all the things, The the best of the best, the the luxury that the world offers. And so there's a world system there that's going to come tumbling down. So it could be the city Babylon, and even if it is, it's still going to reflect all over the whole world with its system. Think of the United States. How blessed we've been. We have everything. We have everything you can think of. How blessed we've been. And that seems to be our God as a nation, right? I'm not saying us as individuals, but the the nation. It takes great pride in what it's done. And really, we have a lot to be thankful for, but God is the one who's blessed us with this. But they use it wrongly, of course, not thankful. And of course, you see that, and then you see that the city is burning. You get into the smoke of her burning, and uh, verse eighteen, uh, the crying, the weeping, the mourning, and the woes to that uh, city, and. Verse 20 says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. It's really the religious system, the worldly system, idolatry and everything else. Chapter 17 and 18, it's all judged. Going back to Shinar, uh, you know, the Babylon. Here we see Babylon in 17 and 18. Do you see how Zechariah... Kind of fits in right in with Revelation here, then, and whether okay, it's representing. If we go
1: back to this place in Zechariah. Don't you think it would have been really comforting again to the people that left Babylon to know that that wickedness Absolutely. was going to go back to Babylon, and Absolutely. they weren't going to be there.
0: Very good. That's, that's <laughs> exactly because right. that meant something to them. Yeah. They weren't looking so much in the future. They were looking at right there. Yep. Now, you know, there you have this this vision going on, and at the same time, it's showing, you know, that's what the people live for. That was the empire. I mean,
1: they had until to tell bad about leaving all that luxury behind. Exactly. And here they are going off to the desert. Of
0: Hardly nothing.
1: Absolutely, you're right.
0: And they're going to build.
1: But then he says that... Well, that wickedness is going back to Babylon, and they have left. They right. So gone. you get
0: the, yes. Yes. Right. You go you get the, a little pat on the back. Yeah. Right. So you get out of that whole system. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. So I close with a very, very good uh, 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 thought there, because that that does wrap it up there. In First John chapter two, I think this really sheds a lot of light on it too. Verse 15, 2.15. fifteen. First John, do not love the world nor the things in the world. Isn't that kind of what that's all about there? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, that just gave us chapter 18 of Revelation, didn't it? Is not from the Father, but is from the world. There's the world system. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives Forever. We have that promise. Israel, the people that were following Him, or obedient that time, had the promise too. And that had to be comfort for them. We will not be oppressed anymore. And we're not going to have to fall into that kind of uh, society again, ever. We'll never get tempted by it and we'll never be oppressed by it. And so, there is Zechariah with the flying scroll and the ephah. Okay, now I've got a question. Historically, the people that did go back in Zechariah's time, did
1: they see Babylon fall? Or did Babylon not
0: fall? The, the people went back. Well, they got... Uh, we know that the Medes and the Persians you know, beat them, and then finally there was final destruction on Babylon. And God had prophesied that and said it will never be. There will never be, mm-hmm. know you know, the jackals and such would right. be around there, and that's all. But
1: some of those kids that went back probably <clears throat> actually saw the destruction of Babylon. They were port,
0: You think? Um, or
1: was, did it happen too far apart? I
0: think probably. I'm not so sure. Uh, I know the Medes and Persians won in their victory. I don't know how much was conquered there historically. I need to look at that a little bit better. I kind of forget the timing on, that on it, but yeah, if you want to intricately look at that, yeah, yeah, that
1: would
0: yeah. Be... That, that would be good. Yeah. You know, is is it possible that they they might have been you know a part of that? Maybe they yeah. might they might have lost their lives too. You know, maybe some of the sons and daughters and such, because it wasn't too long during that time the Medes and the Persians had already taken them too. Yeah. That was the time that we were living in. That's why they were able to go back because the Medes had already beaten them. Yeah, uh, as far as a total destruction, there I, I can't remember when that was. Whether that the Medes and per, uh, Persians finally took yeah, over on it.
1: They didn't actually. The Greeks destroyed Babylon. They kind of took over, didn't
0: they? Yeah, and I think then then it was uh, there was a destruction made upon that city then, because because the prophecy was made that it would be, and by the time whenever Jesus was living, that Babylon was nothing. Right. Of course. So there we get a couple more visions. There's really, I think, that was number what? Five and six? Six and seven. There's one more left. And uh, next week uh, is Christmas Eve. We won't be here. The church offices will be closed. And the next week after that is New Year's Eve. And. The church offices will be closed. That's what you always used to see in the bulletins, you know. Mm-hmm. The big churches. So, we have one office. <laughs> the church office will be closed. Unless Debbie comes here and goes in it. But <laughs> oh, we're not going to hear
1: about Zechariah.
0: Not next. Uh, two uh, weeks, next well, two we'll, weeks. We, I guess we'll have uh, time off and we'll uh, come right back and uh, grab that last one starting next year. We're not going to have another Bible study till next year. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for coming out, and um, we have been blessed by. Um, uh, what was your name again? Ann. Ann? sorry there. Thank you very much for for coming in. That uh, it's always a pleasure to have somebody new just kind of come in. Sorry to come in right in the middle of all of these seals and, and judgments. blind
1: squirrel because we this not too long. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, I
0: do want to tell you, we think a lot of Leanna, and she no, is yeah. a blessing. Boy, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, we we've been blessed by by uh, Leanna, and, and uh, well, we close with prayer. Lord, we thank you for this evening and your word, which is sometimes rather uh, difficult to understand, and you bring forth some pretty tough passages sometimes. But we know, Lord, it is all for good and it's leading up to the the final good and so we thank you we pray as a new year is setting forth on us that as we look back through this past year we give you so much thanks for how you blessed us and you continue to do that and thank you for those promises for we know we have everything to look forward to in jesus name amen Amen.